Hey, what's up, everybody? From the Data Institute at the University of San Francisco, I'm Robert Clements. Uh, today, I'll be talking with Cheyenne Chakrabarty. Cheyenne is a principal machine learning scientist at Atlassian, a software company that develops collaboration and productivity tools. He leads projects on recommender systems that uses uh, data science and machine learning to make the software smarter and more personalized. Uh, previously, he worked at other organizations like GE, Apple, and Accenture, applying data science to solve problems in IoT, uh, e-commerce, and financial modeling. He has a PhD in computer science from the University of New Mexico, where he did his research on chatterbot conversations and applied NLP. Now, this actually was, in fact, the very first interview that I've ever given and recorded. Um, and I think you can tell <laughs> as you listen to it. Um, I'm sure I'll get better over time after I do these uh, over and over again. Uh, so please just 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 bear with me. And you know, if you, hopefully you get some value out of it. And if you do, you can you'll keep listening. All right, welcome to the you know inaugural inaugural episode of this podcast. So um, I wanted to kind of introduce you a little bit since you know we have known each other for. I think about eight years, right? And I think that's right. Yeah, we met each other when we were both really young and eager and energetic data scientists, right? Ready to um, change the world. Uh, <laughs> <right>? <laughs> so we met each other at uh, GE. You know, we had both just started there. Um, I think we started there within a couple of weeks of each other. And you sat right next to me and we were put on the exact same project, right? It was our first project there. Um, and the way I remember it, you might not remember it this way, but for me, I remember being put on this project on like a Friday and we didn't have any data. We barely even understood the problem. And then by Monday we were being told, hey, you know, where, where's the solution? We need a solution right now. And then they put us on a plane to Ohio to uh, basically work in a conference room for two weeks until we uh, solved the problem. Is that about, is that about right? Welcome to data science. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was a fun first project. I mean, um, you know, two weeks sitting in a conference room in the dead of winter in Cincinnati. Right. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Fun, <laughs> fun, fun times. <laughs> yeah. Good, good introduction to uh, working at GE. Right. And data science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I wanted to maybe ask you to kind of take us back a little bit uh, back when you were maybe a young boy or a, an undergrad. Take us back to that day when you realized that, you know, being in the data science field was was the career for you. Yes. Uh, so I did not take a linear route to becoming a data scientist. Uh, when I started my uh, college and undergrad, I don't think data science was a thing at that time. It wasn't, uh, uh, it, it wasn't known as a career. Right. Uh, I majored in computer science, uh, you know, hoping to be a software engineer. Uh, I got interested in a few things like AI and machine learning. Uh, and you know, after working uh, uh, in the industry for a while, uh, 
I decided to go back to grad school uh, uh, for computer science. Uh, and as part of that grad program, I remember uh, taking lots of interdisciplinary courses uh, as part of my uh, research. I remember taking one such interdisciplinary course which mattered like computer science and biology. Uh, and I remember the professor teaching a concept that uh, there are some fields of science uh, which are theory rich and data poor in the sense take theoretical physics. Uh, we have a lot of idea about models and the math about how the universe works and some, you know, very deep theory uh, to establish that framework. Uh, we don't really have a lot of data. So we collect data and we make observations to validate those theories. And then there are other fields which are data rich and theory poor, uh, which means we get lots of data just by the nature of that field. Uh, but we don't really understand the theory uh, behind that. Uh, some fields could be like, uh, you know, bioinformatics. We have like lots of data, not really a lot of theory behind that. Uh, E-commerce. We have a lot of data about what people are doing on the internet, what they're browsing, what they're looking at. Uh, but no, no underlying theory about, you know, why certain people buy certain things. Uh, and that got me interested and really fascinated uh, with this idea that uh, data is sort of the glue where if you specialize in looking at a lot of data, finding patterns in data, it gives you an access to lots of different fields where you might not have fundamental knowledge about that field. It, lets, it gives you access uh, to that field and you can contribute to that field in a different way. Uh, and, you know, that sort of kindled my interest uh, into uh, what, what being a data scientist might be like. Uh, and by the time I finished grad school, data science started becoming a legit career. Right. And my first job out of grad school was uh, as a data scientist. Okay. So... Was it that transferability of data science skills into different industries? Was that one, you know, part of the attraction for you? Uh, yes, I would definitely uh, say that. It was this uh, realization that some of these fields uh, in modern times, we get to collect so much data because of the advances in sensor technology, in uh, on things we can do in the internet. Uh, we have a massive amount of data and we are able to access these fields, uh, these diverse fields, uh, purely from a data perspective. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, as you we were speaking about our first job together, uh, this was about predicting uh, failures of components in uh, aircraft engines. Uh, and... You know, you and I have no background in how to, you know, design aircraft engines and, you know, the complexity of all the components and those interactions uh, underlying an aircraft engine. 
what we had was a humongous amount of sensor data uh, and as data scientists we were able to study that data look at patterns model a few things uh, and contribute to the field of aircraft fleet maintenance uh, from a different perspective from not knowing anything about the underlying engineering and the physics but being able to contribute in a different way right and i remember you know talking to the engineers there at GE and feeling almost like um uh, you know probably uh, too much hubris you know like hey look at me i can do all this stuff with your data and you know and you can't and i don't know anything about what you do um i mean that was just young data science hubris you know ego i mean i got over that pretty quickly um but i you know that's uh, being able to kind of just grab some data, not really fully understanding the domain and just apply those skills and find useful insights that actually make sense that the domain experts agree with, you know, was, was really cool. And it was definitely one of the reasons also why I decided to be a data scientist as well. Uh, before GE, you were at Apple. Uh, then from GE, you ended up at Atlassian, right? Mm -hmm. So I was hoping maybe you can tell us a little bit about what, what it is that you're doing there. Yes. So Atlassian is a software development company uh, that makes collaboration software, uh, tools that can help large teams share code, uh, track projects, do pro project management, uh, share knowledge and information and documents. Uh, uh, so the company makes software tools to do these, the popular ones being Jira, Confluence, Trello, Bitbucket, and several others. I'm part of the core machine learning team where I lead projects in the personalized recommender system space with the intention of making all these uh, software tools more smart, more intelligent, and more personalized uh, to meet the unique goals and needs uh, of all our users. Uh, so I bring all the data science and machine learning and AI principles uh, to build these uh, recommender engines uh, so that uh, they can suggest things like add-on apps, uh, new workflows, uh, suggestions to perform certain actions within the software, uh, in a way that's uniquely suited to an user's working style, working cadence, uh, and adapt uh, to their needs. Okay. Can you tell me a little bit about your team? You know, the team that you're working on, is it a big team? Are you, you know, partnering with a lot of other data scientists? Uh, yes. So it's a fairly large team. Uh, it's got a bunch of different roles. Uh, data scientists, data engineers, machine learning engineers, machine learning scientists, uh, but all of us wear these different hats. Uh, and it's a team that partners with a bunch of different products, uh, with the engineering and product teams for uh, all of these different uh, software that we sell. Uh, we also partner with ecosystems and marketing. Uh, because that's this is where we get a lot of our data from and also lots of uh, potential uh, 
AI and smarts use cases from? So um, your role there is machine learning scientist, right? That's right. So it, here in you know in the program, like I often get asked by students about the definitions of these roles, uh, specifically machine learning engineer. Um, and you know I, I kind of describe it to them as it's a little bit fuzzy and depends on the company that you're working at. At my last company, the machine learning engineer was strictly an engineer. They took the models that the data scientists developed and they would de deploy those and they would maintain the infrastructure and make sure everything was always running. Um, is it similar at Atlassian? I think it's good to hear like the different definitions, um, the different ways that companies are defining machine learning engineer. Uh, yes, so with the caveat that all of these roles lie on a spectrum. Uh, yeah. And no matter what your specific title is, uh, uh, you have strengths, varying levels of strengths in all these disciplines. Uh, typically, a data scientist uh, would be more involved with a lot of ideation, a lot of looking at the data in a preliminary way, poking around the data, looking for patterns, you know, developing hunches about the data and potential use cases that can come up, how they could use the data for certain use cases, what insights they can get. And as part of this ideation process, the next step is uh, actually formalizing this thing, uh, formalizing a project end-to-end, -end, like what's the data going to be what are the features going to look like? What models are going to be built? Uh, how do you interpret how these models are performing? Uh, how close they are to um, actual behavior in the products that we want to see? Uh, so these would be the spectrum of what a data scientist would be doing. Okay. A machine learning engineer would also be involved in this process, but their focus would be on a few uh, different things. They would focus a lot on uh, obviously building and training the models, looking at ways these models can be optimized uh, because they would be concerned with things like how these models are actually served and how they perform in the wild when, when they are shipped out to our users as part of some features in a product. Uh, do they introduce you know, new latency requirements? Do they introduce new privacy concerns? Uh, does that mean the models need to be trained or retrained differently? Uh, does that impact uh, what models should be built uh, yeah. or whether they should be built? Uh, so a lot of those concerns were, uh, were how, how the field of model training feature engineering concerns itself and it's interfaced with uh, with the actual engineering uh, of the product. Okay. So was your role previously at Atlassian um, a bit more consultative? I know you've done consulting in the past, you know, before, I think back before you were um, at Apple, right? And at GE, you know, it, it was almost it was slightly consultative there as well. Like, you know, we didn't really work on products. I think you did actually. I think you were part of a, a team that did, but you know, most of what I did 
was, you know, we would get a problem from one of GE's, you know, customers and we would have about 90 days to, you know, basically what you were saying, ideate on it, think about it, look at the data, poke at it, you know, maybe come up with some features and try to come up with some preliminary solution. And then that was pretty much the end of it. We did not go all the way to deploying anything. Um, so I think you've, you know, you, I think you've had a little bit of experience in both the consultative type of data science role and then the, you know, I guess more product oriented role. So, um, without stating like a preference for either, right. Cause I think we all have preferences. Um, you know, what are, you know, some of the, the good things about, you know, being in a more consultative role? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Uh, so as you mentioned, you know, being in a more consultative role, uh, you get to partner with lots of different people and teams. They come to you with problems in their domain uh, and they want you to use machine learning and data science to solve their problems. So you get an opportunity to learn about lots of new problems in different domains. You work very closely with these domain experts. You learn a lot. You develop a lot of general problem-solving uh, expertise. At the end of the day, you make a bunch of recommendations. And that's very satisfying that you were able to work in a very different domain and use your expertise uh, to help them solve their problems. Uh, you get to work on a variety of different domains and problems like this, uh, which is a great learning experience. It's extremely satisfying. Uh, I would say what you lack is the ownership part because after you make these recommendations, you don't really have any input on whether these recommendations you know, will or will not be followed. Uh, if you are the type who gets a lot of satisfaction from see seeing these things through to completion, uh, you might be lacking that in a consultative yeah. role. Okay. No, I agree. Like I definitely my favorite part of that role at GE was the opportunity to work on a variety of different problems. I mean, every project I worked on was in a different domain. I went from, you know, um, so GE Aviation and then to like GE Power. I think I did an oil and gas project. I mean, it was a lot of fun. I learned a lot very quickly. But yeah, after about a year and a half of that, I started to feel like, you know, I was missing that uh, the depth that you can go into um, on a project and, you know, seeing it get deployed and seeing the impact that comes out of it. So, but that's just, you know, me personally, right? That's what I wanted. I know a lot of people just get excited about going from, project to project to project, learning something new all the time, working with different people. That gives them energy. You know, that's what's fun for them, right? So how about, um, you know, in a more product-oriented role? I've got my opinions on this one as well, and they're not all good, but how about, what, you know, what do you think? What are your thoughts? Uh, yes. So in a more product-oriented role, I would feel uh, there's an opportunity to specialize in a narrower domain because you're working you know, very deep into a product, you spend a lot of time understanding the product itself uh, before you apply any data science or machine learning to it. Yep. Uh, and then once you have done that, the next step would be obviously use your expertise in, in, in data science to 
make some aspect of the product better. Uh, but once you have done that, you get an opportunity to see this to completion. You can see your uh, the products of your data science work uh, out there in the wild if this product is being used by lots of users. Uh, you get a good experience of seeing uh, how all the hypotheses that you had made, uh, how all the models you trained, the features that you derived, uh, how they're actually performing when the rubber hits the road. Yeah. Uh, uh, are your hypotheses being validated? Uh, are you developing new insights from the way you see your your models are performing in the product? Uh, and based on that, you may go back and iterate on that, make it better, come up with new ideas. So it's, uh, you get, as opposed to consulting, you get an opportunity, first of all, to see things through to completion, uh, to observe very closely uh, uh, the the impact that your data science work is is making in the product uh, and get to iterate on that several times, maintain it and do that for a long time. So it's much more focused and uh, it's, it's a much more longer term uh, engagement. Right. And that longer term could have some downsides as well. I don't know if you agree, but I mean, any downsides? I would say as a downside could be that you miss the variety. Uh, you might get a lot of experience and insights uh, into some very specific product, uh, but you miss the variety that you would have got if you worked on a bunch of different uh, consulting uh, uh, projects where you learn about different problems and and tickle your gray cells to solve problems in different variety uh, in in different domains. Right. Uh, you might not get the flavor of that. Uh, and oh, you yeah. might get too specialized in a few things. Yeah, and most I'd say most data scientists that I know like to constantly be learning. Right? They get bored easily. Right? So they always want to be doing something new. Um, but the, but at the same time, they want the choice to also go deep into a project that interests them a lot. I think this is the part of the show where we're gonna you know talk about interviews, right? So I'm just um, so I wanted to just ask you if you could talk about uh, one of your you know your your worst interview experiences. You don't have to name any names unless you really want to call people out. You can, um, but yeah, let's. Uh, I, I I know I've heard some from you that were you know pretty pretty bad. Um, so <laughs> I'm curious to hear what. You know, which interview are you going to bring up today? So, yes, I, I do think uh, having experience of lots of interviews, uh, being at the receiving end of several of them and, you know, conducting uh, several interviews. Uh, uh, I would say one incident uh, that comes up, this was several years ago. Uh, I was uh, interviewing for a product company. Um, and the person that I was interviewing uh, was actually extremely smart, extremely senior, uh, had a lot of experience in different industries. So you were interviewing them? Uh, no, the they were interviewing oh, okay. me. Yes. Got it. Uh, and uh, so it started out as like a regular interview. Uh, you know, they asked me questions about my background, asked like 
uh, a few fundamental questions and I was only a few years out of grad school. So, you know, I think that was expected and I thought I was doing that well. Uh, I do think I became a little overconfident in that interview and became too cute, if you would say, for yeah. <laughs> my own liking okay. and tried to, you know, give answers that I wasn't really sure about. Uh, and, and that's a very bad thing. One should never do that. It's perfectly fine at an interview to say that I don't know yes. the answer to this question, yep. but based on what I know, let me try to you know answer this from first principles. That's the right approach to take. Uh, I did not take that approach. I took the approach that, you know, I know this only 10% well, but I'm going to talk about it as if, you know, I know this well. Uh, and because this was a very senior and well-respected data scientist with lots of experience, obviously he could tell that I lacked the depth in that specific area. Uh, and then he dug like really, really deep. Uh, not only in this area, but the other areas uh, which I felt were my strengths. Okay. You know, he brought up examples and he you know asked me questions in a way to see whether I really grokked this thing. Sure, you know, I may know how this machine learning algorithm works or how to solve this problem. Uh, but if he throws a wrench into it, some nuances which, you know, come up with real world problems all the time. Yeah. Do I understand my data science well enough uh, to see how, how my hypothesis or how the, the solution that I've proposed is still valid? Does it have any blind sides? Does it have any weaknesses? Uh, so when he went into the depth of all these other things, other areas which I thought I was strong at, uh, I ended the interview. At the end of the interview, I was convinced that I know absolutely nothing. Right. Like I'm, I'm like the worst data scientist ever, and I actually, you know, know nothing. Uh, and that was like a very sobering realization because, you know, once you have got a lot of education and then you have a lot of experience, you feel that, yes, there might be certain things I'm really good at and I'm confident about. Uh, but when someone probes you into like excruciating depth and you walk away with your confidence shattered, you begin to doubt yourself. Uh, so I remembered you know, considering even, you know, quitting data science for a while. Uh, but over the, over some time, I, you know, I learned my lessons from that. And it sort of motivated me to, uh, you know, to go into the depth of, you know, what I do and make sure I really understand that and develop the right attitude that, you know, I may not understand everything, uh, but it's still better to, uh, always question how well you understand something and how you can improve upon that. Right. So you had a little imposter syndrome after, right after the interview, but you knew, I mean, you just had to take some time away. You knew you could do it. And um, I'm glad you stuck with it, of course. All right. Well, you know, things in machine learning and AI are just constantly changing. I mean, changing so quickly. Uh, there's something new. It seems like there's something new every single week. Um, 
Now, you've been out of grad school for a while. You know, like when you're in grad school, you've got all the time. You can read all the papers, you know, and you can keep up. And you're just in learning mode, right, all the, all the time. Um, you know, you've been working now in industry for, I think, about, you know, eight or nine years. Um, so do you, do you find it challenging to keep up with the changes and what's going on? Are you able to do this as part of your job? Or are you spending time at home? Are you one of those data scientists who, you know, every night is, you know, writing code and, and you know, creating their own apps and, and you know, constantly um, committing to your GitHub repos? Or are you finding that to be a challenge? Uh, yes. So as you said, it's a very exciting time to be in this field. Uh, every day, you know, I, I look at like, you know, new innovative applications of data science, machine learning in lots of different fields. And there's always this sense that this field is moving too fast and you are unable to keep up. So I have that feeling as well. Uh, the way I try to uh, pace myself is uh, I set aside time every week uh, where I try to get an overview of a bunch of different uh, interesting things in this field. If some new paper has come out or some some company has come up with a new app, it seems OpenAI comes up with you know exciting yeah. things every couple of weeks. Uh, I set aside some time to you know read up quickly, to skim a bunch of different things, uh, see which ones interest me the most, um, and then go deeper uh, into those things uh, uh, when I have my you know next window of opportunity. Uh, I also like reading about fields which are adjacent to machine learning and AI because you know none none of these things. Uh, exist in a vacuum you know things that change uh in in software architecture things that change in sensor technology or or things that change in the data engineering field like you know new new tools and packages come up all the time so so i try to set aside some time every week where where i can enhance my knowledge and i try to keep it T-shaped, which means that uh, I try to make sure I have some awareness of everything, at least from a high level, just by skimming a lot of things, and then pick up one or two things that really interest me. Uh, either they are very relevant to my current role, or it's something that I'm personally very interested in, and then invest more time going into depth uh, uh, on those things. Maybe it's taking some code from GitHub that, you know, some, some, some university has developed or some company like Hugging Face has put out and then play around with it and try to develop my own projects on it uh, so that I feel I'm getting sufficient depth uh, in areas that are most relevant uh, to my work and my interest. At the same time, making sure that I'm on top of the big picture and I'm not missing any of these exciting new developments. Okay. Well, that's, you know, very disciplined of you. <laughs> so, well, like along these lines and just, you know, learning and keeping up, uh, we could talk a bit about, you know, education, learning data science. I mean, back when we were in university and grad school, um, it was it was very different. Like you said earlier, data science wasn't even really 
a term yet that was widely used, right? Um, and, you know, there was no Coursera, right? There, there, you know, there was you know, not a lot of resources, even online, um, for us to learn from. There might be some random, you know, blogs out there, but even GitHub, you know, wasn't really around, I don't, I don't think. Um, so, what, like, what are some of the, you know, now with these online courses, with Coursera, with these blogs, with like, you know, all of these different ways that you can learn, um, you know, what are the, some of the things that you kind of wish, you know, were around back when you were in grad school and it really would have helped you, you know, rather than the way we had to learn reading the book, reading our lecture notes, right? I mean, we had sort of the professor to learn from and that was kind of it, you know, like that was, you know, our only resource. And then maybe the textbook, which would be some really dense technical textbook. Uh, so, you know, what do you kind of wish was around back then for you? Yeah, so I think now is a very exciting time to be a student of data science, uh, specifically because of all these resources that you mentioned. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, we learned a lot of things from textbooks, uh, and that was the theory of data science. Uh, on the other side, the practice of data science, there weren't <laughs> really too many opportunities right. because, as I said, data science, you know, wasn't a thing then. Yeah. Only on the job, right? Like, yes. if you wanted practical experience, go get mm -hmm. an internship, right? Mm -hmm. so. Yes. So I would say one of the things, a few of the things I've noticed lately are uh, opportunities to, you know, learn about a bunch of different things. You have lots of different resources available. It's, it's not just textbooks. Uh, you can go beyond that and look at lots of resources uh, on the internet, you know, freely available to you anywhere in the world, where you have the opportunity to actually make sure your concepts of the theory you know, behind data science are really strong. And I feel as a student of data science, that's very important, like having, an, having a very good understanding of linear algebra, you know, things like doing matrix multiplication and matrix transforms, Understand, really understanding statistics and probability and all these things uh, are really fundamental because they help you, you know, later when you get your first job and as you progress, yep. having this foundation is really important. I've noticed uh, a lot of visual tutorials that try to explain these, you know, higher dimensional linear algebra concepts uh, using visuals. Uh, and I remember seeing some of them a few weeks ago. And the first thing I felt was, hey, if this thing existed when I was right. a sophomore in college, yeah. you know, my I, I would have aced linear algebra because and then I was doing like pages and pages of equations, but I didn't really grok what this, you know, higher dimensional matrix transformation is doing. But this video makes it so clear when they show me like a 3D uh, animation and tell me what, what's exactly happening. Yeah. Like uh, I, I remember in linear algebra, my the professor basically kind of holding up two you know pieces of chalk in the air, and that uh -huh. was like his vector. You know, it was like how far how far apart are these two pieces of chalk? That's a vector. And then you know he would take his markers, and those were each you know he'd like I have a handful of markers, and those were all his his vectors, and he would kind of try to hold them in these different <laughs> positions uh, and point them out of the origin, which was his you know the palm of his hand. Um, so yeah, I mean. Having these sort of, you know, visual, even interactive or, you know, animated 
um, uh, tutorials, right? I mean, that's another thing. Yeah, I wish, I wish that we had that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And in addition to that, uh, being able to practice data science has also become much more accessible now. As you mentioned earlier, the only way to do it was get an internship or get a job and then learn these things on the job. But now there's like so much data available. You know, you have the Kaggle competitions where where you can, you know, freely sign up and participate and, and uh, you know, try to actually apply your data science skills and, you know, see how they work on some data sets. There are other things I've seen many of my, you know, co-workers and students that I know apply their skills to. For example, I know someone who's a huge sports fan uh, and it's easy to go to these sports leagues and, you know, download a lot of data and statistics about, you know, individual games and player performances and uh, and uh, and then do things like predicting player performance, even outcomes of games and doing things like that. So take, getting getting a lot of data very easily in areas of your interest and then trying to practice your data science skills, applying data science to these fields and see where you get, you know, not only teaches you teaches you, you know, better fundamentals about data science because you're actually seeing it applied to something, uh, but also uh, sort of inculcates lots of other skills in you uh, that you wouldn't have otherwise had an opportunity to do. So, so I would say, you know, it's a great time to be a student of data science, you know, certainly exponentially better than, you know, when we were in college. Uh, yeah. And generally like a very exciting time yeah you know i mean and of course as with most things it's not all sunshine and rainbows i mean with this um with all of the information that is available out there um i've noticed that especially with people who are just trying to learn data science they don't know where to go is there's just too much there's too many options there's too many choices they don't know which course is, you know, the, the best one to take. They don't know if this blog is actually written correctly. You know, I mean, there's there's a lot of low quality stuff out there. But um, so, I mean, it, I think it's definitely great that, that it's out there and, you know, that it's really just easily within anybody's grasp. The hard part is they just have to kind of filter out, right, all of the, all of the junk and try to find the good stuff. Yep. Exactly. So going back just a little bit to... Um, we were talking about, you know, keeping up with what's happening in machine learning and AI. Um, are there any topics right now that you're kind of really excited about learning? And, and those are the ones that you plan on going, you know, more deep. Uh, yes. So I've always been fascinated by the creative applications of AI and machine learning. So, you know, when generative AI you know, started coming out where you have all these pre-trained neural networks that can, you know, help you, you know, generate new images. Like you, you look at, you know, paintings of famous artists and then generate new paintings. Then, you know, when, when GPT-3 came out to generate lots of different texts. Uh, so, so enhancing creativity using data science and AI is something I'm really interested in uh, and you know stable diffusion is something that I've been looking at in the last uh, yep. few weeks and Me it's too. it's extremely exciting what they can do with it 
uh, playing around with it and just imagining the possibilities you know what can be done uh, a yeah. lot of fun things can be done lots of scary things can mm. be done as well right so this is something that really fascinates me uh, open ai came up with whisper like uh, i just looked at it like i think yesterday uh, which is about doing speech recognition from lots of different accents uh this is something i find very fascinating uh so i'm really trying to keep up with where this whole field of generative ai is going and frankly it's a very exciting time yeah me too actually um like i wasn't sure how popular you know these models are like um, dolly 2 of course um midjourney Uh, stable diffusion like you mentioned like i see them all the time on my feed but that's because i'm interested in them and i'm looking at them i'm not sure how many other people are looking at them so the fact that you're looking at them um they must be pretty yeah pretty pretty popular right now all right so a a, a student recently asked me um because he knew that i had some experience you know in industry and that i've hired you know hired data scientists i've i've managed teams and they asked me basically you know what makes a good data scientist and what makes a bad data scientist you know cuz obviously they are interested um in being a good data scientist so they want to know what to focus on um so i had my answer i gave, I, i gave the student my answer but um you know what are your thoughts it's a great question i think a data scientist should think of themselves as a crafts person Uh, so a craftsperson is someone who solves lots of different problems uh, or creates something using their bag of tools now think think about yourself as a carpenter if you're a carpenter you have a bunch of tools that you're very skilled at using if you're a bad carpenter it's basically every nail you you take your hammer and you hammer it down so if you're a bad data scientist you know a few things about data science you know how to model you know how to do feature engineering and you deploy your bag of tools uh to solve a problem without asking you know too many questions a good data scientist is a good crafts person just like a good carpenter would try to really understand you know what are they actually trying to do are they trying to make you know the space more beautiful to make it more usable uh to facilitate someone in doing some some task uh in a more ergonomic way uh so really understand what they're trying to do and then use their bag of tools to meet that need so similarly a crafts person who is a data scientist their primary skill is telling a story with data like creating with creating or creating using data uh, which means a good data scientist will focus a lot of time and effort on understanding users uh whoever they are partnering with you know the problems they are trying to solve really try to understand the domain what opportunities and challenges exist in the domain and what ultimately will be the outcome of their work is it to make a certain process more efficient uh and in order to do that to solve that problem uh how they can use their bag of tools to solve it a good data scientist 
understands the story really well you know knows how to read a story to tell a story and to create a story and once they're grounded in that that's when they dig into their bag of tools to best try to meet that opportunity and the best data scientists that i've worked with have this attitude they're very much focused on understanding telling and creating a good story using data all right so i think we're reaching the end here um really the last question you know is any advice any advice for you know students um who are in undergrad now who are trying to figure out you know if they should pursue a data science um master's degree or even a phd um or just you know others who are just very early on in their career and still don't know exactly where they fit you know in that sort of you know that broad spectrum of data science that you said before um so yeah you know any any advice for for people who are looking for some direction ah uh, yes yeah. so i would say you know it's very easy to get your feet wet in data science these days there are a bunch of open source you know competitions that you can participate in you know some of them are uh don't require a lot of sophisticated experience it's very easy to get started with data science you know take you know a lot of other people's code or notebooks uh and and iterate on that and develop on it that's a good way to get uh get your feet wet uh i would say if someone's really serious and considering data science as a career and they're still in college uh they should try to get very solid at the basics so by the basics i mean things like you know statistics probability linear algebra and you know not and that doesn't just mean you know trying to get an a on that course it means trying to get a very intuitive understanding of you know what all these concepts are because that's a very solid base which is going to facilitate you know being a good data scientist uh if they decide to proceed into that career uh so a quick quick follow up on that one what about the coding piece how do you do you feel that should is that a i mean it's obviously fundamental but is that something that really needs to be kind of focused on in undergrad or is that something you can kind of pick up later uh so different you know coding is something you know being good at coding being good at software engineering principles opens up lots of other kinds of opportunities for okay. you yeah uh uh and if you have a good uh, background in that in undergraduate like you know i started out as a computer science major uh and i picked up the data science part later uh but i've seen lots of successful you know senior data scientists who came from other fields like they were math majors or statistics majors like yourself and you picked up the coding part much later right. and i would say uh you know both work uh, it's focusing on the fundamentals you know as a computer science major i focused a lot on the fundamentals about algorithm development and mm. data structures yeah. you know which helped me later Uh, I wish I had paid more attention in my linear algebra classes. Okay. Yeah. And if I did that, you know, perhaps I could be a better data scientist now. 
so my advice would be uh, the opportunities that someone in college has as part of their major. Uh, try to focus on getting a very good, solid, intuitive understanding about the fundamental concepts and taking an interest in learning about lots of different domains, looking for opportunities to solve you know, problems, even if they're pretty simple problems, because that, that gives you the practical grounding in everything that you're learning. And in general, just having an attitude of curiosity and uh, keep absorbing more information and always uh, striving to learn about new things. All right. Well, thank you. I mean, I think, yep, very good advice uh, for anybody. Um, so thanks. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being my first interview. It was a lot of fun. Um, plan to do more of these. Hopefully you can come back. We'll talk some more about, yeah, I don't know, we'll pick some other topics and uh, we'll just, we'll chat some more. Thanks, Robert. That was fun. All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in hearing more conversations, please subscribe. If you want to learn more about the Data Institute or the Master of Science and Data Science program at the University of San Francisco, you can find everything you need to know through the USF website, at usfca.edu. You can also find us on all the socials. For more about me, your host, you can go to robertclements.org.